Hey, everybody, welcome in. I am Keith Pazel. This is my podcast. We're here. Halloween week. I hope you got candy. I hope it was good. I hope your children were scarred for life in some way or another. It happens this time of year. You need these moments where it's too fucking much. You need to be able to stay awake all night. You need moments where you're like, I think werewolves are real. Thanks for showing me that movie, Mom. You fucking bitch. Anyway, hope you had a good holiday. Uh, I was out and about driving around Hollywood for the first first Hollywood Halloween. And I got to say, there's not that many more people vomiting publicly on the sidewalk on Halloween than there is on any other given day. Um, yeah, a lot of sluts running around Hollywood right now. And just not a, not a slutty plumber or a slutty whatever, just whores running around. Uh, you know, but to each his own. To each his fucking own. I've come to the realization that I hate costumes where it's like a historical figure. Enough with the Jesus. Enough with the Julius Caesars. Enough with the fucking Howard Taft. It's not... At that point, you're just dressing up like another human. Be a ghost. Be a zombie. Be a cowboy. Astronaut. You know... Black Michael Jackson, you know, get into that. Let's risk, let's fucking roll the dice on your future. Get into it. I wasn't wearing a costume. I was rolling around Hollywood costume-less, but I was wearing a Duck Hunt Nintendo graphic t-shirt, a Chicago World Cup 94 hat, headphones around my neck, and a hoodie. So, I mean, if anything, if I was pushed, you know, gun to my head, if someone was like, what's your costume? I could just be like, I'm immature. You know, I'm a failure. I've, I'm at my, I'm at the end of, you know, my rope or at least my financial rope at the end of that. Got a full life ahead of me. I just don't know how much revenue it's going to generate, you know? It is interesting to see the costume situation in L.A. and Hollywood specifically because Hollywood is thick with delusion on any given day. You know, on any given day, you walk down Hollywood Boulevard and there's human beings dressed as Wonder Woman and Batman and Spider-Man. And, you know, now you just add a little more, a little more alcohol and less chemical mental problems to it, you know. But they're all there usually, so it's just interesting seeing the like. Y- there's more of it, but it doesn't. It's not off-putting. Like it's not, you know, it doesn't catch you off guard. There's nothing new about it. There's psychopaths running around Hollywood, costumed up, constantly. You almost need to go way, way, way 
overboard, like straight up monster shit to even go Halloween in Los Angeles just because people are pretending anyway. Anyway, I hope you had a good night. Hope you got candy and shit. Like I said, I hope your child had a had a, a life defining, terrifying moment, and don't be there for him or her. Don't be there for them. Just let them, let them cry, grasp their pillow violently, and just fucking see it see it through the night. They'll be better for it. I promise. One Halloween. I was the Joker for Halloween. Uh, big fan of the Joker. You know, this is before incels. So I was I was ahead of the fucking game. Uh, I was the Joker. My mom painted my makeup. What can only be described as haphazardly. It's very haphazardly jokered, and it looked fucking terrifying. Um, so I got to uh, enjoy hysterically crying every time I saw my reflection in any sort of glass or reflective surface. So it was a nightmare for me. It was a nightmare for my mom. Uh, We both regretted it. And yeah, we toned it down after that. Captain America, Wolfman, nothing that is going to strike fear into my reflection, you know? But it was important that I went through that. Number one, realized your boy has a pretty crippling fear of clowns. Uh, number two, I realized that when you make a choice, you got to stick with that choice. All right. My mom spent money and time painting me up like a psychopath and she wasn't just going to let me puss out. We had to stay out and she was just like, you know what? Fucking close your eyes until you get to the door. There was no backing out. There was no, I saw so many uh, of my friends who are parents just like so and so could only make it an hour good for them they made it 20 minutes fuck that you lock that door and you make them stay out two in the morning we were out past midnight building character developing lifelong fears and that's you know that's what adults do that's how you become a fucking grown-up so yeah that's halloween It's Halloween out here. Whores, candy, cocaine. It's the biz, baby. Uh, Yeah, we got a good episode here. Me and Crocious watched uh, Halloween was on. Uh, We flicked around. I think Beetlejuice was on at one point. Uh, Had some good conversations. Talked a lot of football. Talked uh, John Witherspoon dying. I think we bounce around with that. Uh, as you know, I mean, this podcast is never really succinct. Uh, if this intro is any sort of indication of what you're in store for, it's just random fucking shit, but it's good. Um, what else? Any Anything soccer happened? So we had, yeah, the MLS Cup is set. I mean, big upset, but it's still boring. This is the issue with the MLS Cup playoffs, and I think uh, it's going to come time for teams to... Uh, you need teams to plan better for the playoffs. It's not... I mean, somebody's going to get Supporter Shield by the end of the year. 
It's just going to happen. You can't avoid that. Somebody is going to have the best record in the league. You get Supporter Shield. You get a spot in the Champions League, the ill-placed Champions League, because it happens at the end of the Mexican leagues and then at the beginning of the MLS season. So it's basically preseason for any MLS side. Um, so you get the Champions League spot, but it really does hurt your form because any... A study of the MLS Cup playoffs has shown that very rarely does the number one team in the league win MLS Cup. Last year, Atlanta United did it. Uh, I honestly can't remember the last time consistently that someone won the league and then won the playoffs. It just doesn't happen. So I think the key to MLS is getting into that four, five, six range. Come in, sneak in hot. And then you could fucking giant kill your way to the MLS Cup. LAFC got taken down by Seattle. Granted, a veteran Seattle side with a great coach, but LAFC had that firepower, dude. They just came out flat. Seattle wanted it more. Uh, you got a rematch. Uh, Toronto nicked off Atlanta as well. Uh, Frank DeBoer couldn't handle it. Couldn't even get to an MLS Cup final. You know how poorly that's going to look? To his European counterpart, he was probably using this to leverage another job in Europe. Ain't going to happen now. Ain't going to happen now, Frankie. I hope you like Atlanta. Uh, so it, uh, they fucking choked. So it's going to be Toronto FC versus the Seattle Sounders. This is a rematch of the 2016 MLS Cup. Uh, 2016 and 2017, you had a back-to-back -back situation. TFC won it in 16. No, Seattle won it in 16. Toronto FC won it in 17. It was fucking uh, the cup for fucking the little shrimp fucker that they had. Whatever that guy's name is. I'll figure it out. Giovinco. That was that fucker's name. Sebastian Giovinco. He got his trophy. Um, so you got now you got a rematch of Giovinco-less Toronto versus Seattle. I got to I got to be honest this just doesn't excite me. I'm very disappointed that this is what it ended up being. Uh it's just fucking not exciting. Always Portland, always Seattle, always Toronto. It's been the same fucking shit for the last 5 years. I got to see some new stuff. You can't worry about this regular season. It's not it's not the most important thing having that number one record. Uh, but that is the MLS Cup final. Uh, we'll probably do an episode where we watch that boy. What else? Villa. Villa got fucking the shit kicked out of them by Man City, but we all knew that was coming. They actually hung in there pretty well for a whole half, and then right when that second half started, just three in a row. Man City just potted. Once they get one, it's a fucking snowball. They just fucking keep going. Uh, but then they caught, uh, got that momentum back. Midweek had a cup match against Wolves. Uh, beat them 2-1, to one, but they played like it was 5 to nothing. It was a pretty eventful, uneventful game. Villa was moving the ball well, but it was kind of the same four or five moves. They dominated possession. I think when I first turned it on, the for the first 20 minutes, the Wolves had the ball for like maybe two. Really dominant possession performance. 
uh, flying up the field, but they played a team of teenagers. Wolves played a very, very youthful side. There was a 16-year-old by the name of Kem on at one point. A lot of teenagers. And then, you know, we're not a very deep team, so eventually we even threw John McGinn in there. Once McGinn got in that game, it got real exciting. I would have liked to see him come on a little earlier. Just for entertainment purposes, it's not like they needed him. It was 2-1. And they could have, they probably should have won 2 to nothing, if not 3 to nothing. Uh, The one goal that they gave up was uh, a lapse in defense, so it's not like Wolves were particularly overwhelming at all in the game. But we got Liverpool coming up here tomorrow. That's probably going to be a loss. Uh, But we're moving on to the quarterfinals of the EFL Cup. And we drew Liverpool. Uh, so we're going to have to play Liverpool again, I think, in December. Liverpool's bitching because uh, this EFL Cup tie comes up against the Club World Cup. Who gives a fuck about the Club World Cup? Like, move the Club World Cup. Why do you... I feel like the Carabao Cup takes precedent over the Club World Cup. So you got Liverpool trying to do all kinds of shit about moving fixtures... Um, but it looks like it's going to be at Villa Park. Um, who knows, man? Maybe Liverpool will play uh, a, U, a B squad like Wolves did, and we'll get through to a semifinal, um, but I'm not counting on it. So we have Liverpool coming up. It's probably going to be a loss, and then who do we have after Liverpool? Because once we get these Man City-Liverpool games out of the way, we should be getting back at it. See, we, and then we got Wolves. So it was Wolves, Liverpool, Wolves, and then probably Liverpool fairly soon. So, yeah, tomorrow you got Pool, and then it's Villa Wolves on the 10th, and then on the 25th you have Aston Villa Newcastle. Uh, my boy uh, Dave Rader is going to that, so I hope we fucking shove it down his ass while he's there. Uh, United on December 1st. I would say after Liverpool that's our next tough but, I mean, United's United this year, so he, they're fallible. Uh, Chelsea will lose. Uh, Leicester's a game we could win. Sheffield United is a game we have to win. Uh, yeah, and then you got Southampton, Norwich, Burnley, Watford. That's four should-be wins right there. Um, I think we're looking good for staying up. That's what I fucking think. And you know what I think? I think it's time to get into this episode. Um, yeah, without further ado, uh, real quick, get some business done. KeithPazel.com for everything me, tour dates uh, when I do go on tour, um, podcasts, blogs, what have you, social media links, emails, everything is there. Uh, Twitter. Instagram at Keith Pazel, K E I T H P A E S E L. Adam Crocious is Insecure Comic on Twitter and Adam Crocious on Instagram. Um, subscribe, rate, review, all that nonsense. Here we go. Episode 118 of my podcast. He was great in a, in a, um, I'm going to get you. Is it, no, 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 no. Uh, Hollywood Shuffle with, with Robert Townsend, you know? And he plays like the, the manager of Winky Dinky Dogs. <laughs> but yeah, you know him from Friday because he, he was Ice Cube's character's so father, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm aware. I love the movie. Didn't he have Friday. bad gas? Wasn't it, wasn't it he shits case? all the time. 
That's his thing. <laughs> he's always just taking a he's shit. He's always taking a shit. Don't, don't go, nobody go in the bathroom for 35, 45 minutes. That's his line. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. Black comics love a good shitting story, man. Ooh, the 13 scariest movies of all time. I wonder what that really is. I mean, it's probably like, ooh, it was really scary when we saw Saw. Saw 3 was really a good movie. It was scary, you know. Although, I tell you what, you know what looks pretty good to me? That Conjuring and the, those movies. Those movies are actually really good. I was like, these are actually okay horror. Like, they're scary horror movies, you know. I mean, again, I was raised, when I, it's so funny, the horror movies that I literally was petrified by, like in the late 70s, early 80s, these horror movies are so bad. They've aged so, The Fog by John Carpenter. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I liked it, but I was like, this is a bad movie. And it's one of, a lot of those horror movies, nothing happens for so much of the movie. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like, it, The Fog is literally just some fucking broad hosting a radio show in, yeah, a, in a light tower <laughs> for 40 minutes. Jamie Lee Curtis. What was the first movie she showed her tits in? That was Prom Night, right? That's a good question. I haven't seen Prom Night in so long that I don't recall her showing her breasts. I know she did in Trading Places. Oh, yeah. <coughs> Trading they Places is a great movie. Good. They, you know, I saw that recently, and it's, you know, some, it's that movie's aged pretty well. It's you know? aged well, but the, if you, you see that like if they tried to make that now, it would just not happen. Because why? Because he. Be I a, mean, like it just seems so racially cliche. Like he's from he's from a country called Zamunda. Like well, no, that no, sound, no, 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 that, that, that's, that's that's coming, coming to, America. to America, which was, which was also directed by Landis. Well, also, what makes coming to America ra- or trading places ra- is uh, Dan Aykroyd in blackface. <laughs> that is true, man. We, we plays Lionel Joseph. You know, we, when when those characters are there in the train, Mumsy. He's like la boodle, la boodle, la boodle, yeah. ah. But yeah, that, that was, by the way, that little phrase I just did right there was copied in the movie, uh, um, uh, God, San Almost Fire, by the cast of San Almost Fire. Like, hey, really? man. We're, and they did, ah, ah. by the way, that movie, when I was 16 years old, I, I must have talked about this. I talk about this and not being, not being a pedophile in every single episode, I feel like. But San Almost Fire. When I was 16 years old, and that movie was out, and I was like, you know, just hitting kind of puberty, you know, like just becoming 16, you know, and getting a bone all the time. I remember thinking these people's lives were so much more interesting than mine. Like, I never saw the movie because I was actually, it would have been depressing to see it because it's like, wow, there are these advanced, like, adults or something. <laughs> yeah. The movie is so bad. Joe Shoemaker directed it, man. Well, I mean, NFL, that's all you got to say, man. Dude, the 49ers are so good this year. You know, I watched a bit of that 49er Panther game in the weekend in Vegas. I'm like, they're actually, I mean, they're just playing with a lot of confidence, man. Their D-line's pretty good. Who did they have the other Bosa brother, too, yeah, right? That, he was, I'm not lying, I watched him play. I was like, uh, this is one of the most dominant defensive performances I've seen in a long time. Like, he was... He, he had a pick. They're so skinny, him. too. Well, yeah, they're not big. They're not like hulking guys. Well, well yeah, it's interesting. Uh, at the same time, they look skinny, but if you saw that motherfucker in person, you'd be like, oh, my God, that dude's jacked. You know, yeah. like, I mean, he's... He's like 6'8". Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know if... I think he's, I think he's probably like 6'3", about 265, 270. Uh, he is just a very good athlete. He's just a very... It's a good play call. This guy didn't read his blocks well, but it's a good play call. My Vikings won a week ago today. They did. They're six and two. 
we were uh, the last episode I recorded. I did it solo, and I t- I was like, he's hanging. I was like, he's hanging with some friends, quote unquote. <laughs> Is that what I said? Hanging yeah. with some friends. You just love like make make me like hear my dated idioms, no, all of my dated statements. Th- and my when I grew up, anytime you were vaguely hanging out, that was always cause for your friends to be like, "What are you fucking guys? Oh, are really? You gay? God, that's hilarious. What are, are you never- gay? Yeah, <laughs> I think the guy's gay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good Chicago. You know, I think he's gay. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, but I'm telling you, this Niner team, I don't think they're a joke, man. I mean, I wouldn't no, they're a good. little bit of a game here. Cardinals are down by 14, but they're driving uh, early in the fourth quarter. Cardinals have some players. They have some explosive ability. And um, uh, that Kyler Murray kid is actually not bad at all. But he is, God, he's like, he's, he's, a he's like 5'10". Yeah, he's very short. 185 pounds. I'm like, Jesus, this guy. Although, you know something, the modern NFL, it's a different type of game. Uh, he is, I will say, he's an excellent athlete. I mean, you can see it. I and mean, he can move extremely well. His feet are exceptional, man. I mean, they, you know, he puts a little more mass on him, maintains that athlete. I mean, again, it's Russell Wilson. But Russell Wilson, what made him great, and what makes him great, his decision-making, it's rare when he makes a bad decision as a quarterback. Yeah. I mean, it's like Aaron Rodgers. Like, this guy, he'll make an occasional one, but it's like once a game. Tw- when you're used to shitty quarterback play, Keith, which I'm sure you know something about. I'm aware of it. I'm sure you're aware of a, aware of of a franchise that might even be more damned than the Vikings. The Vikings have had shitty quarterbacks. The Bears have had horrific. Here's what That's anno- a horror story. Oh, yeah. That's a horror movie. Well, here's that Bear what quarterback situation. about sports media just Trubinsky I'm talking well, just that's the history, what I'm about yeah. to bring up because Trubisky has not he's had a terrible season um but I don't like the hyperbole I literally read an article this week that said Mitch Trubisky has played some of the worst football we've ever seen in our entire lives that is just not fucking true. <laughs> this person obviously is, is young because they haven't seen Moses they don't have memories Moreno. of Bobby Douglas. <laughs> yeah, Moses Moreno, Jonathan Quinn. Uh, K. McNown was a bust. That guy was a bust. They drafted him with a ninth overall pick in the 2000 or 99, whatever your draft it was. He played, what, two, maybe three years, and that was it. He had a weak arm. Yeah, also, tr- here's what people have to realize about Trubisky is – Everyone missed. Everyone was wrong about him. He was the top overall quarterback in the draft. Yeah, well, that I mean, th- th- that's the the thing. That everyone was out. wrong about Trubisky, and nobody good thought, draw, good and fake. Nobody thought Patrick Mahomes was going to be as good as he was or is. Yeah, I mean, it's just. Oh yeah, people were worried about Mahomes and that he would be erratic, and well, he. Uh, I remember. And plus, the, he was in the conference that that played no defense. The Big Twelve, yeah. none, no it's, defense. It's air raid, but but his arm is it's exceptional. pretty exceptional. <laughs> People you know, because I remember on that draft, Deshaun Watson was the big prize. That was the big yeah. for sure get. Yep. And, he, and whatever, and, he played uh, for Clemson. They were great. I think they had won a national championship. Yeah, they or, beat Alabama twice. Yeah, yeah. So um, they, were, they lost once and beat them once. But the point is, they ran it two years in a row. He's good. You know? Well, I think during that season, they beat them twice. Like, I think they beat him in the regular season, and then they beat him in the national title. Well, what I, I mean, I, I don't mean to yeah. go down that path, but I want, yeah, I want to hear your point, because I think it's, I think it's um, a good point. I think you're on to something about Deshaun Watson yeah, oh, and, and drafting he, Trubisky. Like everybody said, Trubisky and Mahomes are going to be projects. Like I remember they said, yeah, it's going to take four to five years for Mahomes and Trubisky to come to fruition. Now, what changed everybody's opinion on on is that Mahomes is Mahomes up. winning the MVP in a second year. Yeah, exactly. So, because Trubisky's still in his four to five five year window. 
and people are all of a sudden being like, <sighs> he's, man, he does, he's running out of time. Yeah, I, I hear you. I, I, you're making a good point. Like, I mean, seriously, I don't dismiss your point. What, Aaron Rodgers sat on the bench for four years before he started. I think and they he gave sat behind the Favre. They gave Fitzgerald a penalty on that for hel- helmet contact. Anyway, oh yeah, which is a weak call, I might add. Dude, they've th- and I'm a big proponent of like the safety and of the head issues. Yeah, they throw too many like personal Listen, interference watching penalties. Watching the game is difficult because it's literally a penalty every third play. Like there's no ri- when it gets really bad. Like I hate it when I've watched it before where there's penalties on three straight plays. It it just completely slows the action down. But back to your point about uh, Trubisky. I, I he's just, just not as bad as people say he is. I'm not saying he's good. And that's what it's turned into is whenever you say, like, hey, he's not that bad. People yeah. automate, well, what are you saying? Like, I'm not saying he's good. Yeah. I'm just yeah. saying he's not Ryan Leaf. You know, but it people is. The, are, everyone's yeah. like, people want us to trade for Cam Newton. They want us to trade for Marcus Whoa. Mariota. They want us to trade for basically anybody don't but trade. Trubisky. Don't, here's what you don't want to be. You don't want to be the guy that missed on Patrick Mahomes, and you you already are that team. Yeah. But I think you would look even more foolish if you were the team that traded Trubisky and then he becomes good on another team. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Uh, I think of Drew Brees. Give him his Drew, whole contract. You know, but, but but Drew Brees was the, there was a different situation. There was an injury issue there. I think Drew Brees had a very high or had, obviously has a very high football IQ. He's bright. And, and he's got the ability. People were worried because he was short, but that's part of the reason why Murray got drafted, I think, too, is the short quarterback isn't necessarily a bad thing. You look in between people. You don't necessarily look over them. So you look in between them, you know, So uh, and he's big enough. But the point is with Trubisky, there's no doubt. I mean, obviously, it's the same he's thing. He's got talent. Says, he's a great athlete. There's no doubt about it. Steve I mean, he Young really is. summed you it up perfectly. And Steve Young's actually been a proponent of Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. Um, he said, he goes, when I see him, he looks like a quarterback with no confidence. Yeah. Because he's got so much goddamn pressure on him now. Like, yeah, he's got double the pressure on him. He was like, he's just, he looks like he's completely in his head. He goes, he needs to get away. Go fishing. Go yeah. hunting. Fucking relax. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. just get out. And even, yeah. uh, and I don't, I don't know why teams don't do this more often, but I guess Nagy had Trubisky watch the broadcast of the game instead of just tape. Like he had him actually watch the TV broadcast for a di- for a quote unquote different perspective. Um, yeah, and Trubisky I mean, even said he goes when I rewatch the game on the broadcast, he goes I look like I'm taking it too seriously. Yeah, yeah you're he, not having fun. He goes, that's what he, he yeah. goes. I can tell you can tell. I just look like I'm I'm frowning. He goes I'm not yeah. having fun. He goes this is a game I love and I should be out there having fun. Think about it with stand up, man. I swear to God, any sort of performance. And I'm not, gonna, I'm not a high end quarterback, and I'm not 24 years old going through this pressure. When I look back on my 24 year old self, I mean, if I was in his shoes, I would have had a nervous breakdown. I just know, I mean, I almost already did. <laughs> and having a relatively normal life, you know what I mean? Then being under that sort of strain and pressure. But the point is, you have to kind of enjoy what you're doing. But then there comes a point where it's like, you know, what's the sample size? And it's like, yeah. you know, it's 30 games. And I can tell you, being a fan of the Vikings and them reaching on Christian Ponder, Christian Ponder was a bad quarterback. Oh, sure. Now, bad see, quarterback. I, will, I will go so far as to say is Mitch Trubisky is already better than Christian Ponder. Well, it's, yeah, I mean, I, I think, but I, when I watch him play, I'm like, he's got, he's got. He makes <sighs> mistakes. Here's what, yeah. and, and I'm not even hiding it anymore. Here's Trubisky's flaws. 
He can't make intermediate passes. Yeah. He can't throw 10 to 15 yard passes. That's, which that's is not a problem, good. Yeah. Which is a, pr- but I also think that's a confidence issue. It's not, a, I, I he can, can see that. I mean, he gets the ball in the area. Like it's not, yeah. it's not like he can't throw. Like yeah. he, he's not smalls from fucking the sandlot where you have to teach <laughs> him how to throw. He just, I think he gets, when he sees an open receiver, you know how you get excited? Like, yeah, oh my God, he he's fixates. wide open. And he just, and he just makes, have you ever, you know, like when uh, you're hanging out and you go to toss someone to one of your friends and you just like flat out like, whoa, how did I fucking miss that? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I think yeah. that happens to him when yeah. he's on the field. When he's like, oh my God, I got a guy 15 When you're yards playing a game open. of uh, bean, the beanbag game, like Cornell. I think he oh. tries to get it in there too perfectly. Yeah. When, yeah. And I've noticed whenever he does have a one-on-one guy, he still tries to lead the receiver. Like he'll throw it to the sideline and the receiver will have to jump this way. Like Oh, his receivers have saved his ass several times. Yeah. They actually have okay receivers. I think Robinson's actually a decent and, uh, NFL Miller. receiver. Yeah, I think Miller's a decent enough receiver. It's just, you know, people do have to be a little bit patient, but man, you know, I think now it's so different from when I was younger, Keith. I mean, when you drafted a quarterback in the late seventies, it was like a five year plan. Yeah. You had a five year plan. But this ain't the seventies or the early eighties. They you want results. At least by the third year, yeah. you got to start showing something. Well, I think people are freaked out about it. So you know? ripped up because this was like supposed to be a breakthrough this was supposed year. To be the you breakthrough know? And they got year, a good yeah. defense. And but you know, I'll be honest with you. I, I you know, I'm not so. Although Tariq Cohen owns the Minnesota Vikings, which is so fucking annoying to me. He owns him. He he's not a great player, you know. Tariq Cohen oh, is no. not Devin Hester. No, he's not. And, and the running back. I don't know the running situation. And how is that kind? I. I, uh, what's their line like? They're o- I don't watch them enough to know their the O Bears line. Bears offensive line? Yeah. They're atrocious. Yeah. Kyle it's like, Long was their best offensive lineman. Did he get hurt? Out, he's, I think his career's over. Uh, what, just severe knee injury? or so He's had so many leg injuries. Like yeah. He's, he's had four seasons where he's been out for the year. It's what's well, like J.J. Watt. This is his third time in, in the last four years ending up on the IR. It's like, man, I think you got to contemplate so hanging him up. it going right now. You know, it, it, yeah, you, you got to think about hanging them up, I think, if you're J.J. Watt. Because it's just... get-out action happening on TV here. This is a pretty good movie, This man. is a great movie. This script is incredible. Uh, 20, it took them like 20 days to shoot this movie. Was I know. It, they, did like, they literally did it like in a month. I mean, literally. Quick. It was like... Uh, my girl's a part of the Writers Guild. We got the DVD and script of us today. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Did you... Uh, yeah, okay, interesting. You can go pick it up if you want. Yeah, maybe... <laughs> Thanks, man. No. I actually like reading a script every now and again. Oh yeah, do like you have to you, like map it through? Absolutely, man. I mean, it's just. I mean, I I'm in the editing process right now of my. Uh, so here we go. We got Beetlejuice. We have Halloween. Uh, think like a man. Uh, how how about Halloween? Want to get some Halloween action, and then I'm going to take a hit of this bowl by the window. Absolutely, man. Oh yeah, this is the original. Yeah, we'll get it. We'll watch. There's this. some good '70s some bush. Generate some. Uh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> this movie, the behind the scenes in this movie is great. Carpenter, man, I, I give Carpenter a lot of credit. I mean, he's. I was thinking about this yesterday. Like, when did John Carpenter lose it? And I watched the first 15 minutes of They Live yesterday. That's with Roddy Piper, right? Yes, exactly. And and, and, and uh, was Roddy Keith Piper David? was supposed to be this crossover star? Well, well right? it was like it was the Rock. He was trying to be the Rock. What the Rock was able to do and accomplish, you know, it's like, I mean, there was that, you know, and I, <laughs> I love that. That's a path. 
it shows what like what acting the, the physicality of it is totally relevant like if you just have a a muscular sort of physical presence it like it gets you in the door <laughs> like you don't have to be that talented well arnold schwarzenegger proved that you know it's like i remember when i saw him in conan the barbarian yeah absolutely man when i saw him in conan conan the barbarian and there was a scene of him with with the you know the sword and like it's just him just it's just basically him flexing and posing like it was like Oh my God! I've never seen a human being that looks this way. It was like shocking to me, you know, like seeing Arnold Schwarzenegger as a twelve-year-old boy. Was like Jesus Christ! Well, what is this guy doing? You know, it was yeah. freakish, you know. Now you knew he was on steroids, right? Well, I, I, I didn't really start knowing about like figuring out hearing about steroids until like the the uh, mid '80s is when I started to become aware of it. Conseco was certainly one of the early ones. I mean, no doubt about it, the, the the late '80s AIDS. AIDS, the ladies' AIDS. Sorry, <laughs> they very much started that trend of uh, of uh, juicing, you know. Uh, but with football, I'm trying to think. Mark Gaston, I th- oh, and Lyle Alzado dying. Remember in '92? I mean, he's so all those guys did it back then. All of them did it back then, and it was like it was not regulated, and I was totally unaware of that. But a lot of these guys, I mean, the the health issues. That they had a lot. I mean, if you look at the roster of the 19, this is the truth. Okay, the 1988 Bengals who were in the Super Bowl against the 49ers. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Sam White. Was he like a great coach? Uh, I don't know if he was a great coach, but he he was a, you know, he very much came out of, he played under Paul Brown, you know? Yeah. Uh, And actually, Weish was one of the original quarterbacks for the Bengals, and the Bengals were an expansion team in the late 60s. So he understood the position. He and Bill Walsh were on the staff of, of Paul Brown when, when they coached the oh, Bengals. So that's why the Super Bowl between the Bengals and the 49ers was meant like a little. Big... At least that one did because there, there was a bit of a coaching history with that. And Weish was a good coach. Listen, that chance had a, they had a good chance of beating the 49ers, who were a great football team. And that, that was an entertaining game. But that was 30 years ago. Like literally, I think it's a quarter to a third of the Bengals roster. They're just dead. You know, a lot of those guys are dead, and, and I'm Munoz? sure. I'm, I mean, I'm sure they juiced. They juiced hard. Oh, absolutely! But they started to crack down on it in '89 because Tony Mandrich, you know, who was that yeah. can't miss prospect out of Michigan State, he was like the, I in think college, like one of the biggest busts of all time. Yeah, I mean, you know, think about him. He still had an eight-year career. People don't talk about that. Yeah, he was a bust for the Packers. He played four more years he as a to guard team, to he? the Colts. Yeah, I don't know. You play eight years in the league. You've done something. Yeah, you right. weren't dominant. You know, but the reason why he wasn't dominant in college, he was juiced. Up. He was six seven, like three hundred and thirty pounds. Oh, yeah, and you know, like I mean, lightning. Quick yeah, I mean, and shit I think like he had that. like a four eight forty, which is very fast for a guy that size. Well, yeah, the what's you like, know, like the best forty is like a four four, right? Oh, yeah, I mean, typical, like a really good one. So you're a big guy like that. You know, it's like if you're that big and you run a five one forty, you'll still get drafted. If you run a four eight forty, you can do damage on yeah. a football. You're a battering ram. Now the but, Bosa's run like that, right? I think they run like maybe a four six five Jesus or something like Christ. that for guys who are like you know like that pretty big like that's crazy know. how the game has gone because you really can't be like if you run a five second forty yard dash you're not going to play in the NFL yeah you'll play, maybe be an offensive lineman at your best for your big guy yeah I mean that's a real threshold of like bat I mean you see a lot of those guys at the combine they'll run a five five forty like a guard. But they're super strong, you know what I mean. So there's certain they could be a backup or something, yeah. you know. But the point is, I was going to make about uh, they started testing for steroids more seriously uh, after the '89 draft. So Mandrich lost like 50 pounds. 
So he went from like 330 to like 280. And so he just simply wasn't as strong. He wasted be, away. Be, because, because they tested much more robustly. You know, the, he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. You know, he, I mean, he was tatted out. I mean, dude, having tats in the late 80s, like, it was like, whoa, you are a you dark like spirit, a badass, man. Yeah. Like, whoa, you're like, you know, it's Guns and Roses. Like, he was very much a huge fan of Guns and Tattoos Roses. Tattoos at a motorcycle on top of that? Yeah. <laughs> you were, like, shit. dangerous. So I think, yeah, did he live up to the hype? Of course not. He was drafted ahead of Barry Sanders and Deion Sanders. <laughs> but think about that. Here's how, overall pick. here's how, well, this was. Sort of like Trubisky. This was two no. weeks ago, though. Because I've been, I'm still a staunch Trubisky supporter. Yeah. But he had that one game against the Saints. Yeah. Where I texted you and I was just like, yeah, he's bad. Well, it's just like. He's bad. When you face a good team, that's when you really get exposed. So Kirk Cousins, who's a nice quarterback, when they play a good team, he gets exposed. Well, and even in that game, both early on, Bridgewater and Trubisky were missing wide open receivers. Yeah. Teddy Bridgewater ain't, yeah. ain't fucking Joe Montana. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, everybody's loving him. They the, People want the Bears to trade for Bridgewater. <laughs> I, listen, I, I like Teddy Bridgewater with the Vikings. Man, I think there was a chance there. His he second have, season... If his leg wouldn't have fell off, I think he would have been a franchise quarterback. Well, I mean, I, I don't know if he would have been but I think they he would have been talented. Him. They stole him because he was supposed to be a top five pick. Oh, and, yeah. And he had a bad pro day. Yep. And he fell to, what, late first round Well, he was the, the last pick of the first round. The Vikings traded up to get him because they were worried about the Texans taking him because the Texans were going to take him. He had a pretty good pedigree in college. Uh, he played for Louisville, and they beat Florida in the Sugar Bowl when Florida had, like, a bunch of guys who were in the NFL on their defense, like first-round picks and stuff. And they were like, he's the best quarterback we've ever faced. And they faced SEC teams, too. So, And, and Louisville beat Florida in the Sugar Bowl. He threw for, like, 275 and two touchdowns. Here I mean, he go. was accurate. You know, the thing that was good about it is he was put an accurate passer. So in the NFL, it's one of the biggest differences. I mean, you have to be completely accurate. You know, it is, like, necessity accurate. So it's like, and that's a hard thing to do. That's why there was only, like, eight or ten decent quarterbacks, you know? Yeah. Because it's hard to do. I mean, it's in those tight spaces when things are fast like that. So, I mean, you know, Trubisky, you got to see if that bell can sort of come off. But you're right. You called it out. That intermediate pass, which you have to start to be able to do, it ha- that has not happened yet. And you know what else you know? is fucking up his season? So it's been proven, and I even told you this. Oh, yeah, this is what happens. When he throws on the run, yeah, this is the, our first murder in Halloween, yep. everybody. He's choking her, dude. He chokes her kills out. Kills her with her bare hands. See, this wow. is what I like about this version is he legit kills her. In the remake, he, like, splits people's heads like coconuts Why well, no? Yeah, that whole, exactly. I, now, I liked it. I yeah. loved it, but it's still, like, I don't like that whole, they make it like he's superhuman. Yeah. And this, he's just a dude. Yeah, he's just a, an awful human being. He's yeah, he fucking offs this. Also, you know what? It's I, a pretty long death scene. <laughs> do you know what I found you know? about these wow. 70s movies? Yeah, I'm curious. Anything, the only thing that made women hot was the fact that they were young. Yeah. Like, they weren't done up at all. Oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. Her exactly. legs are kind of showing a little bit. Like, it, it's a different kind of hot chick in the yeah, 70s. Absolutely. And that was a hot chick that I was raised on. There was a natural thing going on. A little bit of lipstick. On. Yeah, a little. Yeah, yeah. Enough. That was enough. Like, holy shit. Yeah, enough of those traits. But, like, but there was a natural beauty. You know what I mean? That, that was very much an influence of, like, the 60s and 70s. <laughs> It's the truth. She's this is also the thing. Kids, He's right? precursing. We're watching the, the Halloween right now. Carpenter is a huge fan of the thing. Obviously, he remade the thing, and they're watching the original version right now. These kids oh, are. Okay. So it's his homage to like that that genre of horror movie that he was raised on. So that's why they won't remake the thing again because it already was a remake. 
Oh, it's a remake from a movie from the Dude, 50s. the 80s thing is the shit. It's, to me, it's his high watermark. It's Carpenter's best movie. Well, because it's not like a... It was. It's like an action movie almost. It's not like a horror movie. Exactly. Oh, 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 oh. It's a. It's a tension. Dr- Tarantino says it's one of his favorite movies of all time. Dude, that scene when they finally get the hot. When they finally realize to test the yeah. blood, and they touch it with the hot needle, and, and it uh, jumps out of yeah, the tray. Yeah. That's when you're like, holy shit. Yeah, it's a jarring. Oh, absolutely. That, that scene and like, uh, the, the, there's some good. Um, uh, the whole like there's a lot of fast scenes that go on it too i think they had pretty good transformations you know who's you also know? in that is keith david Back, well he's in he's david in they keith, live his name yeah yeah keith david exactly he's that guy that talks like this yo he was also in a he's, he was he was requiem for a dream he does the voice of spawn yeah well, he's got a spawn. great voice there's yeah. no doubt about it but he uh he plays general kimsey in armageddon well, he was <laughs> he's good in they live and they live he and rowdy rowdy piper become buddies you know and it's i think that's where carpenter began he's still trying to get political which i kind of respect that well, it's they a very live political about housing movie. and shit right it's about poor people well, it's it's about yuppies and it's it's supposed to be a statement about kind of capitalism at that time that he gets these secret glasses that he can see through people and they're actually space aliens that are actually the yuppies so when you put it on and like and like when he puts these glasses on like the world opens up to him like he he looks up at a at a, at a, a sign of like a woman like uh, wearing a bikini you know then he puts the glasses on her and it says procreate like there's messages like really these kind of heavy-handed political messages that he also throws in there. It's entertaining, but I think it's where Carpenter loses it. I think it's where he loses it, you know? They Live was... It's sort of like, to me, it's like Spaceballs and Mel Brooks. It's Spaceballs and Mel Brooks for me. Because Spaceballs... Decline of West... Or or, or not Decline of West Civilization, but uh, History of the World Part 1. There's more good than bad. Spaceballs, it starts to get kind of a 50-50, and there's a lot of bad in it, you know? But I think about that with They Live. Part 1... Is, There's some what moments. Year, what year did that come out? 81. Oh, so that's a later... Later movie. Mel Brooks. See, so you don't he like, starts to kind of lose so it. So you don't like Robin Hood Men in Tights, which Ooh. is one of my favorite movies. Yeah, Ro- he, to me, he's, he, he really got ham-handed. I loved that movie <laughs> as a kid. So one of my favorite lines to this day, it makes me collapse laughing, is when Richard Lewis <laughs> is eating soup. Yeah. And two eyeballs pop out of it, and he just goes, Hold oh, Jesus, it's like a Seder at Vincent Price's house. <laughs> That's a pretty good line. It's so great, dude. It's one of the best lines. <laughs> that is a pretty good line. A Seder at Vincent. The fact that Vincent Price is like the horror, like that, 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 everyone, everyone knows Vincent Price, right? Yeah. I mean, I also, saw. Also, uh, Robin Hood Men and Tights, the film de- debut of Mr. Dave Chappelle. Wow. Yeah, you're right. I think you're right. Exactly. He plays the sheriff, and he ends up being the black, the sheriff at the end. And they go, a black sheriff? Oh. oh. And he goes, and why not? It worked in Blazing Saddles. Oh, he does and that. that's the end of the movie. God. Like, literally being that ham-handed with, like, we made this movie. You yeah. gotta like this one. It's like. <laughs> and it is full of kind of, like, dad jokes. You got that character who hangs people, and he's just like, you know what they say? No nooth is good nooth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God, God, he loved. So to me, I go back to Carpenter and we got off on the thing. And what's good about the thing is that the thing is, uh, and this why, you know, again, Tarantino, he's totally right. If you see a lot of Tarantino movies, I mean, this first movie, obviously, Reservoir Dogs, it all takes place in, in, in that garage. The yeah. vast majority. Well, it's the well, idea. They go back in time. A couple, don't they like exactly. they show you what led up to that? Yeah, that, that, but that's like that's like maybe that's 15 percent to 20 percent of the movie. 80 to 85% is in that damn garage, you know? 
uh, when they go outside it, they add key points to it. But it's like, and it's the idea of like everyone's in an, you're you're in a confined space and is you Reservoir can't get Dogs out. In black and white. No. no okay. No. No. I saw that. So, I saw the three penny. So check this out. It was great. I it's saw when I first saw Reservoir Dogs. That that van right by, by the like way. A, that is a shag and wagon. That right is there. a oh yeah a sin bin if you will. That's what my brother had. My brother had a had a, had a van like that in the early eighties. It's he like one it the of those. Sin bin. It's a conversion we first got van. laid. <laughs> so basically, for people that can't see it, it's like one of those big like rapey conversion vans. It and has like, like a nature 70s, scene like painted in on the, the 70s side. And eighties, they had like entire murals painted on the side of their fucking vans <laughs> and shit. And then it's got the shag carpet lining the inside. They probably banged around in it. Yeah, oh, my brother said he. I mean, my, my father bought a van like that, and it, it had a queen size bed in it. You put it was a seat, then you pulled down. It was a bed, totally comfortable bed. You They've know? been and, jumping around like this too, because after this one, it's Halloween H two O. Oh, I saw that one in the theater. Which this movie I couldn't see. It, it was too terrifying to me. I was too young. Like this truly. Like your parents wouldn't it. let you. Or well, you I didn't mean, want I just because I was I was obsessed with Look horror. At them just making out with their big ass shoes on the couch. I uh, I used to. <laughs> I used to, uh, I, I was into horror from like 79 to 83. That was when I was really into horror. That, that, that to me is a very kind of prepubescent thing to be into. Because there's, there's a certain danger and kind of sexuality when did the in it. come out for you? 73. Uh, but that, that's one of those movies, Keith, that was in the theater, I think, for like two years. I swear to God it was in theaters when I was a kid. And I wouldn't remember, remember anything from 73. I was four years old. But uh, but I remember like seeing that Exorcist like I'm, you know, on like you know, movies monikers because it was it was in the theater for two or three years. Yeah, that movie was like legendary as far as horror movies go. That I mean that was like a a real honestly God I think a lot of horror movies now like Conjuring and stuff they try to tap into that spirit of like there was something that was so well, shocking. Such simple things are so scary about it. Like when yeah. she goes downstairs and just goes, "You're all gonna die up there," and then she just starts pissing on the floor. Yeah, exactly. Oh, exactly. I mean, yeah, that's one of those movies where my growing up, I always hated movies where it took a long time to get to yeah the scary shit. I rented the movie The Warlock when I was a kid. Yes. And I hated it because it's just so boring. Yeah. And I remember really not like The Exorcist was the one movie where I was like, okay, like I don't care if she's not the devil for most of the movie. But then when she becomes the devil, holy Christ. I know. It pays off so well. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that, I mean that movie was like, yeah, it, 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 it tapped into, there was some good William Freakan directed that. I got to see know? the remake when it came into theaters. When they added, oh, when they re-released it. Oh yeah, I saw the crab walk. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I I saw in the theater in two thousand. I got stony, and I saw it at at the theater on on Western, that AMC Western near Logan Square. I saw it in Cherville, Indiana. It's pretty good. Would you admit? Well, also they add the face that pops up in between scenes. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, you know what's you know good about that? When I saw that in the theater, and again, I'd seen it from being on, it was on like, you know, movie of the week. Even seeing it on movie of the week, Keith, it terrified me. Like it terrified. Like even with seeing it censored and stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah. The power, you know, the power of Christ compels you. The power of Christ. Isn't that what they say? The power of yeah. Christ. I mean, I wonder what they'd unison? be interested when she's like, fuck me. And she's stabbing like, herself the in the pussy crucifix with a fucking it's like, crucifix. That's pretty rough. Lick it. I mean, it's like, you know what I mean? It's like, that's pretty rough. For Do you know what she did? Your cunting daughter. Oh, yeah. And then the whole voice when like when he's coming down from like uh, uh, and he sees a homeless guy like like in the subway. I think he's coming from New York down to D.C. Yeah. And he's like, 
Father, can you spare some money for an old, you can know, you spare Catholic? Some money for an old thing, Father. Yeah. Yeah, for you're a Catholic, you know. And, and then like uh, she does the mom. And, and then there's the mom well. voice. It's why like you do this to me. Dad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm from Italy, the old country. You gotta go into. Why are you a pedophile? Oh, I don't understand. Don't, don't let me die, Damien. <laughs> I know exactly because he made that decision to basically kind of pull the plug. In the ins- that was also back when putting your. I feel like there was a period in the 70s and 80s and even into the 90s where putting your mom in a home was like a big deal. Well, yeah. Like that was usually a big plot point in movies when you're like, yeah, got to put mom in the home. Yeah, absolutely. You know, listen, did you ever have to think about putting your parents in like, well, no, my mom died when she was 60, man. So it was like totally like ahead of time. Like it was, I mean, she was planning her life out, man. She was planning it out and like. You know, she got cancer and fucking died. But you said it was quick, right? I mean, it was, but it was still awful. Those last seven months were bad. You know, so but but in a weird way, it was like it's kind of a good experience in the sense of I I feel like I I was pretty much at peace with my relationship with her, which made the experience a lot more kind of tolerable. It was difficult experience, but it wasn't so fucking like I I think a lot of people get truly devastated. I don't I don't know if there's. Whatever, each person's different. Do I just know for myself it was good. I mean, I, that was a good thing about it, you know? It it was sad. Do you, you think know? it would have been obviously different, but, like, if you had a bad relationship with your parents, do you think you it would have still hit you the same? Oh, no, I don't think so. I, th- I think it would have been a much more difficult, worse experience because there would be a lot of unresolved stuff Right, in my that's mind. what I was going to say. You know, a lot so, of people would think that, like, oh, if you hated your parents, you wouldn't care if they got cancer. But no, like, no, no, I, th- I think it fucks with your head hardcore when you, when you haven't resolved your issues. You know, my father is very much in very poor health, extremely poor health. Um, and I, I mean, it's amazing that he's been able to live. He just turned 77 about a month ago and he did not take care of his body. <laughs> this was and, said he's and, overweight and stuff. He right? was overweight for year, decades, you know, heavy drinker, huge diet, you know, uh, but quit smoking a solid 20 years ago, which is a good decision, you know. Uh, but he, I, I have distinct memories of him in his tidy whiteies laying in bed, smoking a cigarette while having a bottle of gin next to the bed. Holy this, shit. This is like. He had a career. <laughs> I mean, a pretty successful career. That's like career. a day off. That's yeah, like the weekend. That was him just like, no, this was like a Tuesday night. Okay. <laughs> I mean, he was he doing that. to get up in the morning for we, work. He would get up and drink four cups of coffee, man. Darn, power through. He worked 30 years. He had a 30-year career. What did he do? He worked for the federal government. He worked for the Department of Agriculture. Oh, that's why you guys were in Virginia. Exactly, because it, he lived in D.C. from 72 to, and worked there until 96. Speaking of D.C., do you have any sort of happiness for D.C. winning the World Series? Uh, you Nationals. know, I, I'm not a DC sports fan, which is interesting because you're an A's fan. Although I, yeah, I'm an A's fan, uh, and I am a although I do kind of like the Washington Bullets. I won't call them the Wizards. They're still the Bullets in my eyes. I detest the Redskins. I detest the Washington Redskins. I don't. I really don't like them. But is it a is it because of the logo or just because of the way like? Well, no, I, I wasn't politically correct. That wasn't even a term in was 1977. Was it was it was it because they were good and they always beat the Vikings? No, or the Vikings were actually a better team than them. The Vikings were a very good football. In the NFC, they were the, one of the top three teams in the NFC for the entire decade of the seventies. But they were getting long in the tooth. I just didn't like it because I wanted to watch Viking games. And and the, the uh, local team and they only, and they and they only had Redskin games on and 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 they were just. Their fans, I just didn't like them. I just did not like their fan base. Uh oh, they're having a a siggy after sex. Yep. Yeah. This woman on the right, she was in stripes. This is her foot in the door. This this guy's the second guy who gets it right here with this. Oh, he's a total with his dork, fucking dude. Glasses, dude. It's fucking <laughs> a total dweeb, but he's a total. He's a total fuck stallion, though. 
You can tell. <laughs> Even he's got a perm, man. He's so hot. Ma- <laughs> the man perm of the late 70s was such a bizarre trend. I never got it. I never hey, understood it. You know, mullets were cool. Well, mullet, yeah, I was, I was more mullet that that I had that in a rat tail. The show head of the class. Yes, of course. I always liked that show when I was a kid. <laughs> I always would get head of the class and fucking God, perfect. No, I would get my two dads and perfect strangers mixed up. <laughs> Remember my two dads? You know, I, I'm yeah. Was that Paul Reiser? That was in that Paul Reiser? Was that, was that a gay theme show? No. Like it's my two dads. You it know, was like, like <laughs> just friends, and I think. Well, one of was this the actual a good scene. parent. This is a good scene, he, like, man. Pin, he gets pinned to the wall. Yeah, yeah. This is a good scene. The second guy who gets it. The deaths are pretty good in this, I think. You this know? is a good one because it's a slow stab. He like yep. slowly spears him through the well, yeah, because yeah, he's able to fight back a little bit because he's kind of you know, he's a bigger kid. He's not totally weak. You know what I mean? He's a little thin, but yeah, he's tall. Yeah, but he, he has some capacity to defend himself. <laughs> you open the door, the air's gonna unfeather my hair. Oh, dude, he just puts them through. Yeah. Also, in this one, Michael Myers not big and hulking. Yeah, well, he's just he's just like a big like a refrigerator repair man. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm sure he was a guy who was like, you know what I mean? <laughs> he's the Maytag man. Exactly. But he's probably like six three, probably two ten. You know, so he's big enough. Yeah. This is. There you go. It's a yeah, great he, knife he uses. He's done, he's done in a hurry. This movie brought that knife to the forefront. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the, no. the butcher knife yes, was absolutely. not a thing before this. I, I agree. That real thick ass knife. Yeah, I think that, that that was. And then he looks at him. He looks at him to the side. Like it's she's just, just waiting. Come on, I'm wet. Doing again. her nails. That's such a great like cliche thing of a, what a girl does in a movie. Also, oh, I'm filing my nails. That's what women to do. Props to Michael Myers for knowing to pop the glasses on over the sheet. Because then she'd be suspicious. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Otherwise, yeah, yeah, because the well, the exactly. It's he's goofing. It's a goof. You see, bring that nerdy dick over here. But it's also because he's he got a sense poke, of humor. He also had to poke holes in a sheet. At well, some point, you know Michael, what it's like. Man. At some point, Michael Myers found a sheet, poked holes in it, and got this nerd's glasses. He's got some thought. Yeah. One yeah. thing Rob Zombie did. Oh yeah, they show her tits. This is the the tit lower. That this is yeah. See. Yeah. In the uncut version, uh, she stands there and lowers the blanket. Well, that, that was very much a uh, thing. Like in the late seventies, that's what about horror movies. Why don't you too, come get these breasts. saggy ass boobs? You, you, you didn't. I mean, the access to pornography was virtually impossible. Also, nobody wore a bra in this era, so it was just all saggy beaver tail tits. But you know, I tell you what, a nice natural set of breasts are pretty amazing. You know, I, I will say I, I'm kind of jealous that you got you had to deal with the body situations like i feel like your your generation's sex drive is more creative because you had like you really had like the worst end of (laughs) as far as like body fashion like you had bush you had big fucking beefy underwear (laughs) giant padded bras padded shoulders (laughs) like perms you had a lot of fashion and body faux pas (laughs) to go through yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I come from the age of lasered fucking vaginas. Yes. Compl- like, fake tits, fake ass. Th- th- that was Tight a, skin. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting how that, like, what, I mean, that's hard. I mean, it's interesting. The body issue stuff, 
sort of, I think, really happened in the 80s. That's some body issue stuff. I remember seeing a thing on 2020 about, about anorexia. I had never, I was probably 10 or 11 years old. And I, and I remember just, like, it just didn't make sense. Like, I didn't, I didn't get, like, well, you got to eat food. It's kind of like breathing. Right. You got to eat food and not understanding these sort of, I mean, I, I mean, think of all the women. How many women have eating disorders or have had eating disorders? A ton. I, I mean, it, I it's got to be like, over fifty percent. It's right? like one out of five or something like that. I, I, I think it's close. I think it's even higher than that. I think it's like fifty percent, man, have body issues, and it's just like an eating well, disorders. body issues. Like, yeah, eating disorders different, but yeah, but I some think it's. Sort of I think they're very much related, man. They they're call very it much the body dysmorphia. Exactly. I, I had a body dysmorphia back then. I, I, oh, I had what that. was your body dysmorphia? My body dysmorphia was feeling way too skinny and weak. That's what my body dysmorphia was. You know what I used to do as a gag? This is what I did as a gag. This is a self-deprecating gag I did. This is a reveal. I, uh, I um, took a picture of Manute. It's when Manute Bowl first came onto the scene. Manute Bowl in the mid-80s. <laughs> Manute so Bowl tall. For, 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 uh, for, for uh, Bridgeport State in college. He was like nine feet tall. Well, he was 7'7 seven, seven and weighed like 190 pounds. He looked like if, you, if someone drew a tall person. Well, yeah, or a like stick figure. It was like a stick figure. Like. like you're playing hangman. It was like a stick figure, you know? It's and it incredible looked, that he was able to run. Yeah, and he, well, because he, he could block so many shots. He had good timing. He played, he had like a, I think he had like a 12 or 14 year NBA career. I think he might have more blocks than points, his like Harvey name? Catchings. He was Harvey Catchings done wrong. His son plays ball. Oh, yeah. Oh, his son's actually a pretty good athlete. Can bowl, play. bowl. But, yeah, but Manute, I remember I got, I got a picture of him from Sports Illustrated, and I cut out my 10th grade picture, and I pasted it on his body and put it in my high school locker. Like, that I mean, was my... Like, yeah, that was your role model. Well, yeah, because I, I felt so... And I got a laugh out of it. It got a, it got a laugh when I did that. But it was a way, it was a way of... I felt so skinny and kind of weak yeah. for a 15 or 16-year-old. That that's, that's how I... It was through humor. I dealt with it that way. But that was my body dysmorphia. But you know something? I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have... I mean, I like to work... I, I develop good workout habits and some healthy habits. I, I, you, you get over it. You know? Well, yeah, you don't get seem like it. the kind of guy that wakes up and is just like, uh, my gut rolls. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, I look at them. I try to keep them in line. I try to keep my diet in line. I, wor- I worked out yesterday. I've been working out consistently now for months, two times a week. I got a good routine down. I've been adding free weights into it. I've been benching, you know. <laughs> This is the L.A. Adam. This is this is hey. This is for your health. People in Chicago, it's snowing right now. It's this is what really you do in snowing. L.A. It's really snowing. It's authentic. Like, like I think it's like like it's several inches of snow. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, I'm so glad I'm not there. See, but, but I um, kind of miss it. You know, you you'd rather be on fire. We're on fire right now. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, it's not good here. Uh, the particulates in the air are starting to affect me a little bit. And, and, and that's one of the things I was kind of thinking about when I moved out here. I was like, okay, I got to see body-wise how I can handle this whole thing, you know? But I can tell you one thing. Warmth is a nice thing. Warmth is a nice thing. Not yeah. slipping on ice is a nice thing, you know? <laughs> Did uh, you slip not on ice last bl- year? Well, or just, or I've done it a few times in my, in my, you know, as a younger person. Dude, I probably there, slipped a good three or four times on the ice right on my ass. Although there and that is, gets worse when you get older. There's nothing like a good slip where both your feet leave the ground oh i've had one of those and you're just in the air yeah like whoa like a cartoon figure a cartoon comedy ca- cavalcade yeah <laughs> i've had i had that just about three years ago on western avenue on western and, and winnie mac where i where my place where you is fall at. so square you shoot right back up yeah actually yeah Ooh, to be honest with right you yeah up. yeah it was sort of like 
it didn't really hurt because I landed pretty good, you know, and it was so quick that I couldn't catch myself. So I think I was kind of loose enough where I didn't really get, I got a little bit of a back pain, but that's why I work out. So check this out. This movie came out when I was a kid. It's called Halloween Town. Yeah. It's Debbie Reynolds right there. Yeah. This was the return of Debbie Reynolds. She plays this family's grandma and I think she's a witch because they take her. They, they, but she's like a good witch. They right? go to Halloween Town. There's like three of these fucking movies. That chick is like all hot now. <laughs> that's hilarious she's all precocious i'm a precocious six-year-old girl well she well i think she's like 12 in this because yeah. when i when this movie came out she was my age like i remember being like oh i'm gonna date her <laughs> who was your who was your early cause, okay i revealed about my body dysmorphia and, and we talk about john carpenter's a thing and who was your first like when you think of crush as a movie act like an actor a woman that was a really like that cute, i thought i really had a shot or with? just like no 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 just like you were really like wow she's gorgeous and i'm really attracted to her like what like jessica alba or something or, or, or no probably the olsen twins wow when two of a kind came out in <laughs> 1998 so you were like were you I was like, 11. I was el- you were 11. Jesus Christ, I was fucking in grad See, school. and that's where uh, my shit stunted because that's like my first falling in love moment where like I'm going to I want to date them. But I remember like my dad showed me basic instinct when I was 6. Ooh, yeah, or you know, 7. Like, that, yeah. like before that, it was all about like boobs. Like I used to yep. I used to watch Friday the 13th movies cuz of yeah. tits. Well, that's like, why I watch horror movies it, when I was exactly. a kid. It was part of, yeah, it was, part it of the, was tits. It, yeah. it was the it was the gateway to tits. Yeah, and, and you, didn't have, you didn't have hack. access to pornography. It was a tit hack you know? because your parents would let you watch horror movies. Yeah, because they didn't know how much tit was in it. Yeah, yeah, they just didn't really pay attention. Because they watched like fucking the House on Haunted Hill and shit <laughs> like that, like real horror movies, like <laughs> fucking Hitchcock. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they thought that's what we were watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this Rear is window the, and I tell shit. you what, this is, but I give Carpenter credit, man. The behind the scenes on this, when they go into just his movie, his movie making act, I think this was his second movie, maybe his third movie. And it's like, he just. What's uh, his first one? Uh, was it Assault on Precinct 13 okay. or something? Yeah. Or I, something they like remade that. that. And I think he also did a couple student films. They filmed this in California. They said one of the things behind the scenes, they had two bags of leaves to make it look like, they filmed it in the summer, I think. And to make it look like fall, they, they would just, just like spread throw a few leaves. The like, is, like, yeah, the frame yeah. was. Get like just six or seven leaves out there. You know, it's like all the, and, like, and this home was basically like, they did a, the majority of the filming in this home. And a lot of, you know, kind of the different camera shots and camera setups they did, technologically speaking, they did some kind of unique things about, like they had longer, the scenes were long. So like, you know, you think of like the scene of, uh, in, in Goodfellas with, uh, when they go into the, the restaurant, that long form scene. Yeah. He did a lot of that in this actually, which I think was a bit of a unique thing, Yeah, it was thing, probably because you know? before then horror movies were like Plan 9 from Outer Space and shit like that. Yeah, like, I mean, they you weren't know, taken or Rosemary's Baby, I guess, I was a horror they, movie because it was yeah, psychological. Yeah, was probably the first, one of the first people to put thought into a horror yeah, movie. Yeah, 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 and saw it also as like, a, as a foot in the door, you know. What a crazy time to be, like being late 60s Hollywood and like, okay, I, I can make some movies. You know, I'm this sort of eccentric Polish guy who's got a, you know, I've got a charisma about yeah. me that I can, He married Sharon Tate. Look, that woman w- was a gorgeous guys, woman. I'm going to rape a girl in 30 years, so I have to get all this movie <laughs> making out of the way. He, and, but then this whole European, like, ooh, I went to 14-year-old girl. Like, Jesus, man, calm down a little bit on that, you know? Man, I think that's the way it was, man. Like, it was just like, the, the laws weren't even passed to stop that until like 40 or 50 years well, ago, I think. And I'm you know? not a fan like, of Like, in my lifetime. But I'm almost willing to bet that 
even though what he did was rape, I'm willing to bet it was consensual. Oh, I think it's just an age thing that it was rape. Yeah. Yeah. But it was like but and to make even, that you as a to make that like you're sort of I'm not even like yeah. d- defending it. I'm just saying like it's very French to me. I like, feel like we were saying French on, men do like that. We were saying on one yeah. episode a while ago, like there really is meaning behind like it was a different time back then. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, Dude yeah. Dude slept yeah. with children back then. You yeah. think Jack Nicholson hasn't fucked a 14-year-old oh, in his sure. time? I mean, he stayed at, that, that's where it all happened at. You know what I mean? In the se- 60s and 70s, I think things were pretty, it was pretty loose. It was free it's pretty loose. You know, I mean, this is, again, this is pre-AIDS. You talk about the bad experiences. You didn't, you felt you got to throw AIDS. You saw bad bush, weird body types, shoulder pads. Da- AIDS came fucking. in. Like, I mean, they were, from a, I can tell you from my point of view, it had an effect on me. It definitely did. Of like, like there was a definitely a fear in it, you know, of sort of like, you know, bad things are going to happen, which is like such a horrible, like, attitude and approach to have towards Dude, sex. Also, and I know? didn't realize with it's the health thing, I didn't realize how tongue in cheek the government treated it. Well, they didn't really. Like, treat, I mean, they, they didn't respond are, very quick. There I mean. are public records of correspondence between <laughs> government people Pardon of me. like, yeah. "Hey, we have to do something about this AIDS thing," and then someone would be like, "Huh? Did you check yourself?" <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. God. Like that was very much the tone of the government of like, "Yeah, what do you got it, Phil?" Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Whenever yeah, someone yeah. would bring up like that, it was a problem. What do you? What is your? Does your? Did you get it from your mom, Jerry? Yeah. Yeah. Make some. Yeah. Yeah. Some. Yeah. Making a weird. Like I, it was uh, that whole like, what are you gay? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well yeah. There's very much a uh, a uh, the homophobia. I mean, I, again, I'll go back to it. I also didn't know it was called grids at first. Yeah. What's interesting, even before that though, I remember there being articles like in Time when I was like eleven or twelve. Herpes, you know the 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 outbreak of herpes. Like everyone had herpes, and you had to be afraid of getting herpes. It was very. But then AIDS came along and just like wiped that to the side. Eighty one front cover of Time being like herpes. Eighty three, eighty four AIDS. I mean, it just like and it was like I mean that it was just a very it cast a pall I think upon the decade you know and just affected sort of just sexuality in general. I talk about that scene in Naked Gun. I talked about it before when, when Priscilla Presley's character and, and, and Leslie Nielsen, they're like, I practice safe sex, and they wear a full body condom, the two of them, and they're on bed together. I saw that in the theater. I was in college. Uproarious laugh at that scene. Yeah. Uproarious because it was like, that, that was, was kind like of the feeling. The times. Yeah. yeah, just like you got to wear a condom all the time because that put condoms back into sexual play. And it was like, you know, because before that, you just fucking left it in. The woman was on the pill and things were good, man. You know, when I was a kid, I used I to think. love I used to love the movie Grease. Yeah. And there's that scene where the condom breaks when they're about to fuck in his car. Oh, and the and the condom breaks, and I never understood it until I was older. Yeah, like when I would watch it as a kid, I'd be like, "What broke?" Yeah, you didn't. Really, yeah, 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 exactly. And then there was even a joke where he, he's like, "It broke," and then he goes, "My brother gave me that, or something like that." Yeah, like he like he like laments. Like I think it was like a year old or something. <laughs> yeah, like it's all that. dry. Been in his wallet yeah. for a couple years. You <laughs> know, that's one thing. I, I hate never, condoms. I was never condom in the wallet guy. Fuck, I still am. Is that one in there right now? <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah. 
That's fucking wild. <laughs> you know, you never know. Well, I always would get weirded out because... <laughs> Is that just such a bad reveal? I always got weirded out because after a while, you start to see the imprint. Yeah, yeah, you got to be aware. Yeah, you got to like, gotta yeah, like yeah, it's like a it tin. around a little bit. I know, I know. Yeah, yeah, it, it actually reveals like something bad. Like, it's, it's a bad That's reveal. one of my favorite Kenny DeForest bits where he would... Uh, talk about being on a date and he went to pay and the condom flew out yeah and he was like and it floated like a feather down on the table <laughs> he was like and then she gave me that look like oh is that where you thought this date was going and he that's goes hilarious. oh that's adorable she thought this was for her <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah it's just like it, you know what i have a couple in the drawer here but and we don't even need them well but yeah i still have them. yeah yeah it's just something you have i hate them my, my, my Alicia's sir- locked down. She's got that IUD. Oh, dude, that's fucking the best. Yeah. You're great. That's great. I mean, it's just like, I mean, I mean, she I she mean, closed the garage door, as they would say. My put a goalie in front of the net. Yeah, you know, it's just and got fucking Ken Dryden in fucking front of there, man. Grant Bernie Perrant was out there, okay. <laughs> Jerry Cheevers, if you will. Yeah, maybe a Tony. No, what was it? Tony Esposito. Tony Esposito. Tony O. But yeah, it, it was. Uh, but the my last serious girlfriend I ever had, it was condoms, and I was just like, you have to. She couldn't like. Uh, whatever. I don't want to talk about her. Let's talk about better things, okay? Better, is let's, let's go back to the thing. Talk about the thing, man. Let's go back to Carpenter when he lost it. I, I think it's with They Live. I think it's where he kind of lost it. Because well, after was that, that, it was his crap. last thing. He did Ghost of Mars. You ever seen Ghost of okay, Mars? Okay, yeah, Bam that Greer? was like a '90s movie. Oh, no, that did was he like do 05, from think, L.A. Oh, I could be wrong. Oh, he escaped from L.A. Bad movie. Bad, because Escape from New York is one of his best movies. See, I've never seen that. Oh, you've never seen Escape from New York? No. It is so dated, but it's great. It's so good. Because what's great about it is... Would you say it doesn't hold up? Oh, no, it does not. Uh, It's a bad movie, you think? No, I mean, you know, the acting is decent. Uh, Ernest Borgnine is in it. You know, um, right away, I wouldn't not, not like it, but I would laugh because it's probably like... 1999 New York. Oh yeah, exactly. It's exactly what it is. Because, and the idea when that came out, because New York was so unsafe and people were so afraid of that city that 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 actually played in the fears of people. He was able to get a movie that had national appeal about turning New York into a maximum security prison, which is hilarious to think about. The business he center did of the planet. Man, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. With Jeff Bridges. Yeah. I remember that movie. Yeah, I, absolutely. I think uh, Big Trouble in Little China was a movie he did. That's uh, kind of a ridiculous movie, right? Yeah, I mean, it's you know that that, that it's got some moments that are decent. Oh, you know? I forgot he was like a music guy before he did. Well, he movies. did the sound the sound for Halloween and also for the thing, and he, he would do he would score his own movies too, you know. So he had some, you know, he was multi talented, you know. He was also, I mean, yeah, Escape from L.A. is. I've watched it recently. Parts of it, it's so bad. So Dark Star is his first like movie movie. And then was he it a He did one in 69 called Captain Voyeur. Then 70, you have The Resurrection of Bronco Billy. 73, Last Foxtrot in Burbank. And then it's Dark Star. 76, Assault on Precinct 13. Yeah. 78 is Eyes of Laura Mars and Halloween. Yeah. 80's The Fog. 81 yep. is Escape from New, New York. York. 82 Halloween is the two. thing. See, Halloween and Halloween 2 were filmed at the same time. They just released them different. What? They did? No, man. I, I'm telling you, it looks different as a movie. Because it you takes see it? place immediately after. Yeah, exactly. I remember that. that see. I, remember see, I saw that in the theater. And that, there's, there's some boobs in that. And it's like, oh, my God. I mean, they cast her for a reason. They knew. <laughs> they knew. 
casting for a reason, you know? Uh, the Preppy Murderer. Death in Central Park. Oh, yeah, that was a, that was a big... That was a Dude, delicious Dude, this is case. wild. So Halloween, like the Akkad family invested heavily in Halloween 2. $2.5 million was like heavy. Oh, yeah. Halloween 1 cost $320,000. Yeah, it was dirt cheap, you know. There was discussion of filming Halloween 2 in 3D, Hill said. We investigated a number of 3D processors, but they were far too expensive for this particular project. Yeah. Most of the film was shot at Morningstar Hospital in Los Angeles, California, and Pasadena Community Hospital. Interesting. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, Halloween 2, I saw... saw I, I did a book report on a novelization of Halloween 2 in the seventh grade. <laughs> that was my intellectual pursuit at the time. <laughs> That's all I could read. You know, I, I wasn't interested in other things. It didn't make sense to me. I didn't have a sophistication level. This is where she Ooh, discovers Poltergeist it. came out when you were a kid. I didn't Oh, oh I that. saw Poltergeist four times. Did in you the like theater. that? Loved Poltergeist. Like, that was the same summer as E.T. E.T.'s my jam, dude. I, I was just watching parts of it. It was just, you know, it's, it's been making the rounds on cable. And it's like, you know, some it's it's aged okay, man. You know? I think it's hilarious that Jamie Lee Curtis was like the scream queen. Oh yeah. Absolutely, man. That, that that's my first memory of her. You see the and the, the reveal. I mean, people in the theater, I guess, were just shrieking in horror when this scene happened. Really? Oh when, well that mask is terrifying. Well, because and the mask just comes out of the shadow, you know? What was the mask? Wasn't it just like... Oh, it's William Shatner's mask, spray painted white. Yeah. It's For the, five bucks. It costs five dollars. It's Captain Kirk, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Man. That's a famous sort of... That, but that's a good sequence they just had there when like... Where she falls down the stairs. Well, and because cause his, fa- his face back. just comes out from the shadow. It, it, it's a very subtle scene, you know? John Gar- Carpenter directed Christine. Yeah, absolutely. Which is one of the better of, of these Stephen King movies of that time. They're rediscovering Stephen King. Starman, the Philadelphia Experiment. Oh, I remember that movie. He directed that? He produced it. Oh, yeah. He was fucking working, dude. That guy was doing some work. What do you want to say about him, man? He fucking put his time in. Black Moon Rising, Big Trouble in Little China, Prince of Darkness. They Live as 88. I think that's where he loses it. Invisible Man is bad. Memoirs of an Invisible Man, 92. 94, In the Mouth of Madness. Ugh. Didn't he also do, like, Raising Cain? No, 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 that was a DePaul. Village of the Damned is 95. That's a vampire movie with Aaliyah, I think. That, that, that's a, oh, yeah, I think so. Escape from L.A. is 96. Vampires, 1998. I remember that movie. They're just, he just, James he, Woods is in that movie. Yeah, <laughs> that, that seems about to be a speed. Ghosts of Mars, 2001. Awful. Awful he, movie. He produced the I watched the it, but it's bad. Oh yeah, that's the new the next Halloween movie is going to be called Halloween Kills. And he's producing it. I tell you what, man. I I I'm going to see uh I'm going to see uh, uh that Terminator movie. There's a few movies I want to see now. I'm getting excited. It does look good, you know. They had to retcon the one where Christian Bale screamed at people. I might uh I might uh See Jojo Rabbit too potentially. I, I, it's a little bit in my brain. Is that so, a remake? I don't know what it is actually. I, I, that sounds I, like a movie that I came out in the eighties. It's probably the reason why I want to see it. I, I think it might be because uh, I don't have really expectations, which is good. But uh, so, what's the score of this uh, Niner game? It's got to be over by now, right? Let's see. Maybe we should go back. Well, we are we are in the climactic scene of Halloween. 
Yeah, I love how no one in the neighborhood comes out to help her. Oh, and the kid's just like, yeah, you're screaming to death. I get it. This is one thing I never got about any horror movie. Like, I used to make the slightest amount of noise, and my neighbors would fucking flip out. Yeah. Like, if I was running down the street screaming from a murderer, someone would open their door. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know something? I wonder about that sometimes, man. Some people just really don't give a shit. Niners won 28-25. Yeah, ooh. Arizona scored 11 points in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I thought they were going to make a comeback. Bears got the Eagles this week. Uh, I tell you, it's Eagles defense uh, is pretty poor. Oh, they're second. So this is also a thing they to look said, for. They said expect uh, uh, Trubisky should have a good game. Well, exactly. And so so if he doesn't have a good game this game, He's that bad. that's information. Because I'm telling you that their secondary ain't no good. The Vikings sliced them up. Well, and sliced them up this Ooh. year. He sliced up the. Oh, there you go. Trubisky did well against the Redskins, who has a terrible defense. And last year he threw seven touchdowns against the. Uh, Buccaneers. Buccaneers. So I mean, this is a D. Although I think the D line of the Eagles is probably getting better, so they'll be able to put some pressure on him. Uh, but uh, but still, he's got to be able to deal with that because he should be mobile enough to avoid she people. Have a nice little butt on her. Oh, listen, she's a pretty woman. She was. I think she was uh, twenty years old. The, 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 this is the whole like he dies multiple times. He just won't die, will he? Well, and then at the end, he actually does get up because then that's when the sequel starts well yeah exactly oh the sequel again i read the novelization of halloween 2 and did a book report on it in the seventh grade i loved i, I loved me some that's halloween 2. what i think happened so do you know the beginning of halloween 2 where they're in like the neighborhood here yeah that is carryover from the first filming and then when they're in the hospital that's like actually like the production of the sequel yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like they filmed an extra part. Yeah. At the end of this, to tack on to part two. Yeah, because because yeah because you're because it, it it literally goes from him being shot off because they don't see him with, uh, off the bottom of the balcony. Yeah. And then it literally starts seamless where he's like kind of injured and he's going into people's homes. Yeah, they actually reshow him getting killed at the beginning exactly, of the second one. Exactly. Yeah, they, they show they, the they, they, they show the end. They like it's sort of like it's sort of like Rocky two. And and Rocky one, <laughs> where they kind of show you the end of the first one again. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that tactic of a sequel. Remember, this is what happened. You know, oh, I you know hated that Rocky lost. Oh, Rocky won. Yeah, you. I get your generation has that sensibility. You see, because but what he, but he actually won. He won Adrian's love, yeah. and that's actually more important. Yo, Adrian, we did it. You know. You know. And then you could tell they made the second one because they were like, "Well, people love this movie, so we have to put the belt on them." Exactly, exactly. Although I will say with this, this is a good thing that Carpenter does involving ch- kids, you know, in a, a little bit. You know, like this is... You ever, See, you, in today's horror movies, those kids would get a knife f- fucking kebab through their fucking head. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, it, it's like they got to deal, you know, they got to deal with them. Now that I know that's Captain Kirk, I just imagine him <laughs> coming through the hall. I must take this butcher knife. I want to put, put this <laughs> between your tits. And Ho- we we are not impressionists. Once again, you got to get XC. I knew it was only a matter of time. Yeah. <laughs> good for you, man. I think man. I've done it once or twice on this. I yeah, actually yeah. have been good. We're at an hour, and I have that you know? my first sex reference. <laughs> but yeah, it's... Uh, got it, a commercial for The Walking Dead, one of the worst shows. So I'm... Uh, I, let, I watched the first season. I was like, this is pretty good. They but haven't then played I, three once in this whole marathon. But my God, it's like it's... 
Halloween Beetle 3. Juice. Do you remember Beetlejuice? You, do you know something? I've never seen Beetlejuice. Never seen it. Well, that was the big thing against Michael Keaton when he became Batman because people were like, what, Beetlejuice is going to be Batman? Yeah. Oh, and I remember. He, and with, then Multiplicity. Well, Multiplicity was after Batman, but like, wasn't Mr. Mom pre-Batman? Um, Because he was a comedian. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. He, Night Shift is the first time I remember him. This is a young Alec Baldwin, man. Jeez, it's crazy. And Gina Davis. Yeah. <laughs> she was like a heartthrob back then. Oh, yeah. Oh, I yeah. never she thought a... she was attractive. My she... introduction to her was the Jeff Goldblum fly. Yeah, but I also remember her being in a... She was in Fletch. Uh, and she had no... I mean, she had like eight eight lines in the, and they were all like, should I scratch your back, Fletch? It was all stuff like that. But her, her thing with me, Thelma and Louise was sort of her... Yeah, that, that to me is like her high water. So, mark. yeah, you got Night Shift, Mr. Mom, Johnny Dangerously. And yeah. Johnny, have you ever seen Johnny Dangerously? No. Oh, dude, it's funny. You should watch Johnny Dangerously. Like a, a funny gangster movie. Yeah, exactly. But it's got some. I mean, it's got some some gags in it. Like Andy it was, Heckerling directed it, right? Yeah, I don't even know actually. I, yeah, I never, I never saw Beetlejuice, and, and I was in college. Yeah, that was the perfect movie. age to see it. You know. So when did Fast Times come out? Eighty two. So that was she, so she did Fast Times and then Johnny Who? Dangerously back to back. Who did? Amy Heckerling. Oh, oh, oh she. Did, oh, interesting. Did she also direct Wayne? No, no, not Wayne's World. No, 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 no. She did Fast Times, uh, European Vacation, Look Who's Talking, and Clueless. Those are her big ones. Well, th- th- that's not a bad run. She does teen movies. Teen and then movies? she did this movie called Loser with Jason Biggs, where he plays this like fish out of water, like small town guy who goes to NYU. <laughs> and the plot is he moves in with these date rapists who like roofie girls. <laughs> and then like he meets uh, Mina Suvari, who's like this fucking city hipster yeah and like she gets date raped a couple times and like there's a lot of date rape in this movie yeah and it's also funny the dudes who are roofing people are super feminine like they almost look gay <laughs> it's as i was watching the movie i was like this is either the wokest movie or the most problematic movie <laughs> of all time like it might be woke that some gay people oh are by the way chicks. by the way i'm gonna say this uh I like the fact that Barack Obama came out and called out the whole call out cult culture. Oh yeah, I think it was like I'm like because it is it hit my feelings the nail on the head. Ooh, what did he say? Did people get mad at? Well, him? well, he just said he just said uh, you know calling people out is not activism. It's not activism. You know you have to get involved and do things. You know calling someone out isn't doing anything. And he's fucking right, you know. And so that's one of my biggest weaknesses is, okay, so you canceled someone. So what? You just, you just assailed their character. You haven't changed anything. You haven't gone to the root causes of things because cause it's too hard, you know. So I, but my point is that that's my too hard thing. But if you, if you uh, watch it, it's, it gets, I mean, I, I think it's fucking totally on the, I think he hit the nail on the head. I agree with him 100%. Never compromised and. You're always politically woke and all that stuff. You should get over that quickly. The world, the world is messy. There are ambiguities. People who do really good stuff have flaws. People who you are fighting may love their kids. And, you know, share certain things with you, and, and, and I think that one danger I see among young people, particularly on college campuses, Malia and I talk about this, Yara goes to school with my daughter. 
Um, but I do get a sense sometimes now among certain young people, and this is accelerated by social media, there is this sense sometimes of the way of me making change is to be as judgmental as possible about other people. And that's enough. Like if I tweet or hashtag about how you didn't do something right or used the word wrong verb or then I can sit back and feel pretty good about myself because man, you see how woke I was? I called you out. <laughs> Let me get on TV, watch my show, watch Grownish. Um, you know, that's not, that's not activism. That, that's not bringing about change. You know, if, if, if all you're doing is casting stones, uh, you know, you're, you're probably not going to get that far. That's easy to do. He completely just dismisses it. And, and he's fucking right. You know, it's like, it's not, you have to do something. It's not what you say. I'm not saying language doesn't matter. You know, I mean, obviously you shouldn't say certain things. You know, but, but Jesus, come on. Get involved in something and, and actually try to affect it that way. The problem is, it's hard, you know? That's what he did for crying out loud. He did community activism yeah. for years on the south side of Chicago. Some thankless job. I grew up with a you white know? mom in Iowa. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's, you know what? I, he worked, though, is the point. You know? Yeah. It wasn't just like, I'm going to call you. Yeah, and, and Danny the need, Elfman did the mu music for this. I always the, forget that. The, the, what, for, is this Boingo, Beetlejuice? Boingo's Danny Elfman. This is the beginning of Beetlejuice. Oh, they're, yeah, they're yeah, yeah. Exactly, yep. Oh, yeah, he, he has a big, long, illustrious L.A. You know, Hollywood career. This is a great scene. I like this scene because Crow, what you're gonna find out here in a minute is that this is a dollhouse. Oh, yeah. Alec Baldwin's Makes got sense. his little mini town, and that's where Beetlejuice comes from. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, man, I tell you what, Burton, Burton, you know, he was a, you know, he was a. Burton's good when you let him do his own thing. He's not good at adapting shit. Yeah, yeah. Pee Wee's Big Adventure is great. Beetlejuice is great. Ed Wood's a great fucking movie. Yeah, Ed Wood's great. Ed Wood is so good. I, I, honestly, it's it's my my favorite Tim Burton movie. I mean, I think Ed Wood's great. I love it. <laughs> but like, he fucked up Batman. He fucked up Planet of the Apes. Got a young Alec Baldwin. I know. Right look here. at him. Look at him. He looks younger than both of us. Yeah, I was in college. This is a big movie, but I I did not see it. But yeah, it's. But anyway, back to the Obama thing. I think he just you know, I mean, he's right. I'm hoping people pay attention to that. I also love when like darlings of the left and shit say stuff like that because then people who love them like can't be upset they can't do that well like, exactly well, you're just a privileged male like. it, it's just well yeah well i put a post that got nothing because <laughs> i posted that line and i was like i, I called him like a this sexist egotistical narcissistic pig man is incapable of any empathy whatsoever with his he's a pan-african socialist fascist communist marx i, I went off and i was like <laughs> and anyway it's probably hillary who put him up to this like I, I just wanted to put out confused messaging just confused messages that's another thing i think a lot of it is confused to me it, it's trying to explain the world like i don't know there isn't i don't find that there's an experience enough behind it you know I, I, and whatever, I get it, you know, man, I'm telling you, I know I, I like to give a ribby youth, that's all my act, you know, I get it, it's not that long ago for me, you know, but it's like, when I look back on my 20s and really reflect back on them, fun time, 
uh, energetic time, you know, uh, interesting time, anxiety ridden too, young. Your energy is very high at that. You're at hyper alert. It's your first time being an adult and sort of seeing the world. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to figure out. Not, it's not an easy place to figure out, you know. So, and I just took everything personal. Everything hurt my feelings. And you know something? You get older, you just kind of toughen up and can roll with it. That's not to say that I'm, you know, you know, I, I, I'm unfeeling or something. Well, you just toughen up and be, you're able to chalk up to experience. Would you say that was probably a part of a lot of like your early comedy, like not meltdowns, but like riffs where like you just were, you would always take things very personally. Oh, of course. You know, I mean, yes, of course. You know, I, I think a lot of people, I think, you know, I, I, there's a lot of young comics. I'm like, God, I can see the, I see the anger for because I was an angry comic. Yeah. Angry guy. Were, were you never like congratulatory like when someone got something were you always like oh were you like very marin about no it? Like, no 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 I, I mean typically i mean if i liked them i thought it was great i was really excited for them if i didn't like them i, I didn't like it but to be honest i don't even think about that now i gotta just do what i want to do you well, know see, i mean that's it's the like, benefit of being in a major scene like new york or la is you don't even think about that shit. Like when the JFL list came out of people who who got JFL this yeah, year. Yeah. I didn't even remember that it was happening. Yeah. Yeah. And like I'm say, just so focused on getting in at the clubs here. Yeah. That like I'm not focused on festivals and, and that shit. Like yeah. you, you really do because you have to hustle so hard and write so much. You really do keep your nose out of like scene politics. Which I mean. And again I said it before. That when I came back into the scene, um, you know, and it had totally changed after a two-year absence, I made the conscious choice, actually even a longer absence than that, I made a conscious choice to not get involved in any of the gossip. I made a conscious choice. I mean, obviously I talked about, of course, comedians I didn't like, who I won't mention their names, we know who they are. But, but I mean, I, I, I made a choice to not, to not get conscious, you know. I didn't want to, who, who's having sex with who, who's got a drug problem, who's the alcoholic, who's a weirdo with money, who stole whose girlfriend, who's going to get married, who stole someone's joke, all that, I just don't care. I have to do my own thing. Yeah. I have to get better is what I have to do. Not from a stand-up point of view, yes, I, I, I do that, but you know, I've been writing a lot, so I mean, that's, focus, that's been a lot of my, fo this week I think I edited, I figured out, I think I edited for probably, I don't know, four hours, five hours, which I think is pretty good, every night. Sitting down for an hour, hour and a half. Is that Nurse you know? Ratchet? No, it's not. No, I don't want to go. Dude, there. can I say something? Yeah. I would fuck Nurse Ratchet. <laughs> oh, God. I thought Nurse Ratchet was hot. Oh, my God. Her personality is so. <laughs> oh, 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 this is Halloween H2O. Yeah. Yeah, I saw this. You know, who I think it might be. Oh, no, no. I thought it was someone else. I thought it was like the love interest from Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is just, uh, I don't know who it is. She's, she's like the producer's wife or something. Still wants to act a little bit, you know? I saw this in the theater with, uh, with Deb Downing and Henry Scott. <laughs> not a good movie, though. Just not good. Didn't like it. It's got G, uh, what's it, that G. Gordon Levitt. Like that, what's, what's the guy's name again? The, the, the actor, G, G, uh, Gordon Levitt. What's his name again? Oh, Joseph Gordon Levitt. Jo yeah, yeah. He's he is in, in this, isn't he? He's in this. As is uh, Michelle Williams. As is uh, Josh Hartnett. Th those were like the young hot stars. They were going to break him in with the horror movie. Louise you know? Fletcher. See, that's him. That's him. That's Ratchet. See, dude, look at Ratchet when she was younger. Yeah, she was pretty then. But God, she, well, you know, I've told you the story. She reminded me so much of a, uh, 
of a supervisor I had at a job 10 years ago that I just literally, Keith, literally hated her guts. Dude, I mean, movies had the worst titles back then. Making her film debut in A Gathering of Eagles in 1963. <laughs> she was well, in, I think it's like very theater influenced. You know what I mean? She was in The Exorcist 2. The, her- uh, the Heretic? Yeah. She was in Firestarter. <laughs> oh, yeah. She was in Flowers in the Attic. She was in Cruel Intentions, wasn't she? Yep. Did you ever see Cruel Intentions? No, I didn't. Ryan Philippe's about two miscreant fucking children. It's actually a wild movie. Yeah. So Cruel Intentions was Ryan Philippi and Sarah Michelle Geller, and they play stepbrother and sister. Their parents are like super fucking rich in New York. Yeah. And they're just like pieces of shit. They're always making bets with each other. Yeah. And they kind of want to fuck each other. That's like yeah. laid out throughout the movie. They like they do There's that a thing. sexual tension. They there. do that thing where they get close to each other and like <laughs> and like brush <laughs> lips, like breathe. <laughs> yeah. They do that a lot. And but the main plot is Reese Witherspoon is like this goody two shoes that fucking uh that comes and they make a bet with each other that like if you could get this Reese Witherspoon chick to fuck you, I'll fuck you. So like that's like Oh, so the, so there's like a, like a the woman and the guy? Yeah, Ryan Phillippe and Sarah Michelle Gellar, oh, oh, they, they make this bet. But the th- plot of the movie is is he actually falls in love with Reese Witherspoon. Okay. Like the whole movie, he's like fucking with her because he just wants to bang his stepsister. <laughs> and then he actually falls in love with Reese Witherspoon. And then at the end, Ryan Phillippe gets hit by a car and he dies. And, oh. and Reese Witherspoon fucking prints out Sarah Michelle Gellar's journal and everybody finds out that like, they made all these bets and shit. It's and how, a, hob- how horrible they were. It's a, well, and how horrible she was. Because it really was Sarah Michelle Gellar. Like, Ryan Phillippe plays that, like, they play it to where he's, like, really a good guy. But, like, he was he was caught up in the wrong crowd. Oh, yeah. And at yeah. the end, it's this triumphant moment where Reese Witherspoon is walking down the street. And everybody's reading copies of Sarah Michelle Gellar's journal. And they're, like, shaking her fucking head. And she does cocaine the whole movie. And one of the priests, they're at, like, a Catholic school. One of the priests takes her cross and empties it, and it's got cocaine, and she like starts crying. Uh, Sarah, 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 oh, yeah, yeah, and while oh, yeah. they're while all this is happening, "Bittersweet Symphony" by the Verve Pipe. Is oh playing. yeah, yeah. It's like a bittersweet. <laughs> it's a great. And then Reese Witherspoon drives away in Ryan Phillippe's nice ass car, and like the credits roll. It's a what great year did movie. that come out? Ninety nine. God, I, it's, it I sounds... was twelve. That's that movie is like. Seared into your consciousness. Of, oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. What a what a different time to be aware of film when you're a kid. It's interesting that that, that, that sort of time, for like like '90s movies. I remember '90s movies. They really slicked it up better. I felt, you know, it, it, I mean, you know, like the movies always had a kind of a slick thing. But dude, I tell you what, though, dude, I, I, I'm running. Oh, out we of can, steam we right can, now. yeah, we can. All right, uh, that's that's, that's the, it, people. But again, do, you know, if you're going to be wo- the whole woke thing, just don't, I just don't, don't do it. I mean, no, just you have to be involved in something. Yeah, don't you actually want to do? There's plenty of organizations to get involved with. There's plenty of maybe it feels sort of like you're being sucked up into the system. You know what organization you can get involved with? This podcast. Subscribe. Yes, do that. Subscribe. I said subscribe like a fucking retard. (laughs) Subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify. Uh, Trubisky better play well this weekend against a bad secondary. He needs to. All right. Thanks for listening, guys.